Okay. Welcome back. Apologize for the delay. Um, welcome to those of you who are online and joining us now. Thanks for your patience. Um, let's continue in worship. Not that we have a, a call to worship or greeting, but I simply mean that this is still our response to God. The, the way that you proceed through the remainder of this service is an offering of worship to the Lord. You follow that? I'm tempted to quote Ravi. No, you didn't hear me. <laughs> what? <laughs> Come on, yeah. Um, the way that we move through this service is our offering of worship to the Lord. Okay? You are not here to give Ben your undivided attention. Okay? This service is not so that Ben appears eloquent and this church does what Ben wants it to do. But how we respond as the Lord speaks is our offering of worship to him. Not simply with our attention, but with our response to him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you called disciples. And before they became disciples, they had to make a decision. But when they made that decision, it was a commitment to you for absolutely everything. Would you make sure that that is our reality this morning, that we come to you having heard your call and said, I give you my yes. Before I understand what discipleship is, I give you my yes, because I have heard your voice calling me to you. I've heard your voice calling us to you. That's the kind of life we're after, Lord. That's the kind of life that we will offer to you in worship. Be pleased with us. Do your work so that you can be even more pleased with your people. For Jesus' sake, amen. You caught the Ravi joke, so a few of you are here. Um, I'm just going to get right into it because we're doing a few different things this morning. Ravi opened a door to a new beginning. More correctly, God opened a door through Ravi to a new beginning. God opened a door for you individually and us collectively to a new beginning. Partly in the teaching. I want to make sure that you feel the same way that I do, or maybe I, I want to be validated by you. I didn't understand much of what he said. Okay? In the moment, I took very careful notes, but they, I found it very hard to follow from one thing to the next to the next. So if you felt like, hey, that was me, me too. But what I heard and what I got 
was really good. And as I went back to my notes afterwards, connections were made that I couldn't make in the moment. Um, so I just want to, I, I want to bless you with that. I hope that blesses you in some way that the Lord is still speaking to me from those things, but I didn't catch it all in the moment. It, it was drinking from the fire hose as many, many people commented through the weekend. So if that, that was you, this is going to be a gift that keeps on giving to the degree that you return to it and ask the Lord to continue speaking it into your life and bringing additional clarity. Okay. But what I caught a lot of it was really good. Let, let me give you a few of my highlights, and then I'm hoping that some of you will just call out some of yours. Okay? We're pretty informal. We're small. We can do this. Um, I, I thought it was so helpful the way that he talked about how the decisions that we make are usually emotional decisions. We have an emotion that leads us to a decision. And when we're going down the wrong path, emotionally or decision-wise, what needs to change is to insert a new thought in order that our emotions change that we might make better decisions. That sounds like psychology, right? And he didn't take time to go to scripture to back that up. But can we not find scripture to back that up? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Take every thought. Okay, so we we seeing that this is based in scripture, right? Any of you practiced that this week? I won't ask for a show of hands. I did. It was helpful, but it's going to take time for me to um, build new habits around that, right? But don't lose it. That really helped me. Um, what else did he say that was really helpful? Joy was central, right? Where does joy come from? According to Ravi, I think if I understood him correctly, joy comes from that experience of God. Would you say you picked that up? Am I paraphrasing that correctly? That joy comes from that encounter with Jesus. And that it's as we, as we meet him, he produces his joy in us, and then we give him back our joy and he creates new experiences for us. I found that really, really helpful. Um, if I had to summarize his message down to one thing, however, I would say that it, I don't know if this is his central message or my biggest takeaway from it. I think it's probably one of his central messages. He said that the future comes back into the present, and it's the future that changes the present. Again, that is scriptural. You have a deposit guaranteeing the inheritance that is to come, right? We saw that in Galatians, didn't we? Can we unpack that a little bit more? So he says the future steps back into the present. And as the future steps back into the present, because we have the deposit of what is to come, it transforms our thinking. And if it transforms our thinking, it creates new emotions, which means better decisions, which means that we experience the life that God has for us, the, the calling that he has for us. When he mapped out your life and said, I want this person to reach this potential, it comes about by seeing the potential that we have in Jesus and that life with Jesus, drawing it back into the present and therefore changing our thoughts and our emotions to make decisions that move us on that trajectory. Did that follow? Is that a fair paraphrase of what he was saying? Let us continue 
seeing the present come back, or the past, the past, man, I'm not doing this very well, to see the future come back into the present so that we obtain it and so that we stay on that straight and narrow. What are other, what were other highlights for you? Could we, are there just some things you can call out and say, hey, this really helped me or this was one of his central things. This was a, a message that grabbed me. What, anyone want to call some things out? Interesting. Thanks, Jamie. Ravi said that being yourself is a curse and a roadblock. Now, without putting Jamie on the spot, let me tell you why he said that. Being yourself is a roadblock because you are forming your identity based on your past experience. And you expect the future to look like your past experience. But the future God is calling to you is not an extension of your past. It is an experience and a calling of Jesus' future for you coming back into the present. That's why if we focus on the past, focus on who we are simply and being ourselves, we will always be our roadblock. Because we are not our Savior. The Savior is our Savior. Is that a fair paraphrase of what you were hearing and taking from that, Jamie? Mm-hmm. Yep. So Jamie's saying that um, the world's message is be yourself. And the more that we do that, the more it creates chaos and further roadblocks for ourselves. There's no hope in it. If, if I could be myself to be the solution to my problems, I wouldn't need anyone else. I especially wouldn't need Jesus. Other highlights. Thanks, Jamie, for breaking the ice. Others? Your personality can be an idol. You want to say more about that? That's good. Thanks, Joel. Our personality is an idol. It becomes our excuse for not doing what Jesus told us to do. I don't want to go evangelize because I'm introverted. That's what Joel is saying. And, and Joel, Ravi, Jesus would actually say, um, no. And again, that is an experience of and an extension of your past where you find an excuse, an excuse based on your own experience of I don't, I'm not good with people or I don't like putting myself out there. You limit yourself. You become your own roadblock as opposed to what Jesus says about who you are and who he has called you to be and who he has called you to be includes things like going out and sharing your faith. 
It, it's you putting your faith in, in the, the idol of your personality or your past rather than on who God calls us to be and who he says we are and who we will be as we step out and do what he tells us to do. Right? Good stuff. Someone else? So Ben's sharing about, uh, Ravi sharing about the, the parable of the wheat and the weeds, the wheat and the tares, um, and how the, what Ben's takeaway from that was, uh, was that um, the, the weeds show a lack in that particular area. Ravi's call was to say, don't focus on the weeds, focus on the wheat. That uh, as much as there might be weeds speaking into your life, your, your job is to focus on what God is doing. Um, yeah. And you may have unpacked more of that than I picked up, but thank you. Good job. And I'm still chewing on some of that stuff. Thanks, Ben. Marco? narrow way. Thanks, Marco. Um, it's so funny how someone can tell you exactly what you already know, but put it in just a slightly different way that, that the truth some, somehow becomes highlighted in, in a way that it hadn't been before. And that's what Marco's sharing. He's not sharing that he heard anything new from Ravi. Ravi was sharing about three and a half million gods in, in India. Um, and yet, even in devotions today, seeing that Jesus is the only way. And, and yet, what, a, what an amazing gift that God brings someone in here who is essentially telling you what you already know, but doing it differently, and the truth pops out in new ways. What an amazing gift that God brought someone here whose first language is not English and didn't always get every word right. And yet, my first language is English. <laughs> and the, the ministry that he, that, that God brought about as a result of this man uh, you know, exceeded anything I've seen on this Sunday morning. God can use anyone. And he can use anyone to bring out truth 
that seems new, and, and you hear it afresh, the gift. Thanks, Marco. Ravi opened a door to a new beginning. And yet I would say it was not in the teaching. As much as we are and are um, continuing to glean good things from what he shared, and there is personal fruit happening in our lives as a result of that, I don't think it was in the teaching. There is something about the ministry that he brought here, that God brought here through him, that is opening a door to something new. Um, let me give you a couple practical examples. And I don't mean that this is um, the goal in itself. I just mean practically new things happen. We had a fire tunnel down here. I'd never heard that word or phrase before. I didn't know what it meant, but it sounded weird when he said, okay, we're now going to do a fire tunnel. And I couldn't understand how he made the jump from teaching about the things we just discussed to, and now we're going to do a fire tunnel. I, I still don't know what happened. A fire tunnel, for those of you who aren't here and don't know this phrase, uh, essentially a, there was a line of about eight people, four and four, and people would move through, um, so with their, their ministry team on either side, and what people would do is uh, lay hands on the person moving through, pray for them, sometimes prophesy over them, meaning they're listening for God and then speaking what they hear God saying to this person. Some of it involved impartation, which is not normally a word that you have heard around here, but it is actually straight out of the Bible. Um, Paul says uh, in, to, in Romans to the church he is writing to, I long to come see you that I may impart some spiritual gifts. It's a way that God uses to transfer something from one person to another. He says to Timothy, fan into flame the gift that is given you through the laying on of hands. This is a biblical concept, and some of that happened here. That's impartation. So there was prayer, there was prophecy, there was impartation that happened. And what I watched was as people moved through this line and come out the other side, so many people experienced God in that ministry. I don't know how it happened. I don't know how we went from lecture to fire tunnel to God touched me. You know what happened through this? Some people heard God's voice speaking to them personally about things they, that were new to them, and they received it as from God. Some people got new spiritual gifts as a result of that. I heard at least one testimony of that. A couple people got what is sometimes called slain in the spirit right here. That is also a biblical concept. I know we don't like that term. I know it raises goosebumps for those in the Baptist circles. Go to Revelation 1. John says in Revelation 1, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I saw Jesus right in front of me. And what happens? What does he say happened to him? You know this text? I fell down like a dead man. I'm in the Spirit. I fall down like a dead man. That's slain in the spirit. 
It's simply a way of capturing the fact that at times when God reveals himself to a person, what happens to a body is an uncontrolled response to the fact that we have met Jesus in some way. That's scripture. So I don't really love the term. Happened here. Two people. Dave Grove was one of them. I lead in worship all week. Robbie opened a door to something new. He did it at the personal level. He did it at the corporate level. And there's something that's next for us. I'm not necessarily saying that any of what happens is what's next for us. I'm saying there is a door open. Pause that thought. Let me introduce a new thought and then return to that one. A number of months ago, I had a dream. I, I didn't tell anyone about this dream. In my dream, um, someone handed me a book. And the, what, what was written on the, the cover of this book was simply John. Was it? Someone hands me a book, it says John on it. Wake up, I'm processing this with the Lord. Who's this John? Who's John? Are you talking about the book of John, the gospel of John? Or are you talking about John the apostle, the, the guy who got slain in the spirit? <laughs> um, who is the author of Revelation, as well as the epistles of John? You know, are we, is this John's life? Are, do you want me to get a, a biography of John? Uh, I didn't exactly know what to do. And as I was processing that, processing that with the Lord, I just kept getting yes, yes, yes. Like, it's all of that. Uh, God often speaks in puns. Um, I mean, he says some, one word and means more than one thing. Um, I'll show that to you in scripture down the road. Um, so I have this dream. So I, I start just diving into the books uh, that John wrote. Gospel of John, Epistles of John, Revelation, over and over and over again. It just became the only Bible reading I did was, was, was John stuff. I got um, John on audiobook, and I, I think I listened to it three times in one day. My family was in Ontario at this point. This was in the summertime, and I'm just, you know, I'm doing chores around the house. I'm driving. I'm just listening to the Gospel of John over and over again, two, three, four times. Um, so I've gone through John over and over and over again. Uh, just a couple of days before Ravi came, Sandra Kaju sends me an email. Um, with the dream that she had about that weekend. I won't share the whole dream. And at the end of it, there was this, oh, and at the end of my dream, she says, Ravi hands me a book. And on the front of the book is the word John. I didn't tell anyone my dream. I was telling this to my friend, uh, Ola. He knows his Bible inside and out. And he quotes this verse to me. Genesis 41, verse 32. Joseph is interpreting Pharaoh's dream. Remember, Pharaoh had a dream about the cows, and then he had a dream about the corn. And Joseph says um, to Pharaoh, the dreams are the same. 
He says, now for the repeating of the dream to Pharaoh twice, it means that the matter is confirmed by God and God will quickly bring it about. God has something for Unity Baptist in the book of John. And it follows on the ministry of Robbie. Sandra's, my dream was getting me ready for John. Sandra's dream showed Ravi handing her the book. It, 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 it's a handoff. It's now is the time. We're going to be in the gospel of John because God has a new beginning for you individually and for us corporately. And he confirmed it independently. We're going to be in the book of John because we need a new vision of Jesus. We need a new vision of what he wants to do because we need a fresh encounter with God. One of, part of Ravi's ministry was to say, I have met Jesus. He produces joy. He changes my thinking. He gives me his emotions so that I think and act and feel the way Jesus thinks and acts and feels. Do you want Jesus' heart for you individually and for us corporately? Do you want that? <laughs> yes. So two people at the back just did this, like, which you might remember from last weekend. I'm glad two people want it. Um, thank you very much. If you want Jesus' heart, if you want that ministry and that experience that Ravi was talking about, you can find it by taking John to your life. I do not mean by studying the book of John. I mean you take what is in John and you go to your life and it changes your thinking and it changes your emotions, and it changes your decisions until we become Jesus to the world. That is here in John. John says in John 1.18, you go to it, please. John 1.18, no one has seen God at any time. God, the only Son, who is in the heart, or your translation might say bosom, it might say chest, it might say sort of the center of who God is, he has explained him. If you want to know what God the Father is like, if you want to know what God himself is like, we look at Jesus. You want the heart of God, you want the thoughts of God, you want the emotions of God, you look to Jesus. But this same word gets used of his disciple. Go to John 13. The author of the book of John is the beloved disciple. It is the one whom in this scene is laying back on the heart, the bosom, the, the chest uh, of Jesus himself. Look at verse, verses 23 to 25. 
laying back on Jesus' chest as they were around this last supper table was one of his disciples, the disciple whom Jesus loved. So Simon Peter said to this disciple, tell us who he's speaking about because Jesus just said someone's going to betray me. Then he, the beloved disciple, simply leaned back even more. See, do you notice the progression? He was already leaning back on Jesus' chest and he, he leans back even more to get even closer to this Jesus, to his heart, and says, and asks this question. This is the what you want to get Jesus' heart even more? You can find it here if we start living this, not studying it, living it. Not studying it, living it. I'm not here so that we're not going to be John so that you can quote John. That would be a loss if the goal is for us to quote John. If we can live John, if we can become this disciple who leans back on the chest of Jesus to hear his heart and then leans back even further, if we can become that disciple, which is the whole invitation of the book, then that ministry that Ravi demonstrated will become the life that we live of getting God's thoughts and his emotions and his heart for you, for a church, for the world. It starts at the beginning. There's a new beginning happening here at Unity. There's a new beginning for you today. Look at the first words of the book of John. John 1, 1. You know this verse, right? I don't even need to tell you to turn to it. John 1, 1. I bet 90% of you could quote it. In the beginning was the word. The beginning was the word. It's partly a pun playing off Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, right? You know what's interesting? In both Hebrew and in Greek, it's not in the beginning. There's no the. I'm not going to quote you the Greek. I'm not going to quote you the Hebrew. There's no the. You can go back and look. I can show it to you. There's no the. In beginning, God. In beginning, word. Context makes it clear. He's talking about the beginning. But at every beginning, there is the word. Being Jesus. At every beginning, God is present and working. And there is an invitation to this church. There is an invitation to you individually, to us corporately, to take that new beginning. A door was opened. Are we going to walk through it? There's a beginning here for you and for me. Have you been hearing that call? Have you been hearing the fact that I need a new beginning? Are you stuck where you are? John would say, 
there's a new beginning for you. There's a new beginning. You want to come up? Some of us have been hearing this call to a new beginning. It's why more and more in these last number of months, there's been like responses. I used to preach sermons in which I gave you intellectual content to go study at home. And what God is now calling us to is something different. He's calling us to a life, and it starts with a new beginning. Which one do you want me to use, Martha? Wordless? That's for you. Um, you want to check? I got one here for you. Um, It's a call to change everything. Jesus is not the add-on to our, our already awesome lives. There's a call to something different. You know, I've been talking. For those of you who don't know Joel, <laughs> this is Joel Kadju. Um, I'm terrible at this stuff. <laughs> we're, we're such a couple of... Donkeys. Ravi described described himself as a donkey. I thought it was awesome. I don't know if he did that publicly, but he did it privately with us a number of times. Where he said, "Sometimes you just need a donkey to get you to Bethlehem," and that, that's us. Um, I that was a really humble way of looking at it. Um, there's a call to a new beginning. I don't know if you want to riff off that or, or go from here, but what's been what's been stirring in in Joel. And in me is this call, this invitation to more. Have I set you up okay? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, sorry guys, I'm just really trying to say like, Lord, help me say what you want to say. And uh, don't add any of Joel to this um, so forgive me if you hear my accent. I, I just want to, I just, God uses broken people to speak to other broken people. And I, I've had conversations with him about saying, I think there's got to be a better way. Because um, sometimes my accent comes through more than his accent. Um, but he keeps telling me, no, this is the way I'm going to do it. Um, so I, I'm just going to try to articulate what I feel the Lord is saying to us as a body in the way that he's been telling it to me. And... I want to do it with Ben so that Ben can say, uh, clarify, 
clarify these points. Um, go back for this. Th those of you guys who know me really well, I know some of you more than I know others, you know that if God's speaking through his choosing to put this on my heart, he didn't do it for merit. I wouldn't have earned this position based on who I am. It's like he arbitrarily chooses people. And it's not based on what we humanly would think, oh, this person should, should get this revelation because they're, they're this person or they're this person, that this doesn't weigh his kingdom works. And for God to choose Unity Baptist is another example of that. We didn't, we didn't earn what he is about to do through us. As much as some of us would like to believe we are better than big church on the highway or church down the street, we're not. There's nothing about unity that anybody would ever pick out and say that those guys are going to change the world. The Holy Spirit is going to flow through that church and out into the community. Nobody would have picked us. But that's part of, of where he does this and we're going to have to trust him. I share this story and I'll share it again just to give context to what he's calling us to this church. One morning I was driving to work and I'm, I, and I'm arguing with the Lord and I'm saying, Lord, I, I can't remember what was going on at the church, but I said, Lord, these people don't want, I know you've told me again and again, you're coming to unity, to, you're coming in power through unity and you're going to change things, but you, you, you picked the wrong church. You, you, you picked the wrong girl, not interested. These people aren't interested. I, I said, we're going to have to circle back and, and, and figure out. I said, I, I pray with a lot of hungry people in this city, Lord, and some of them don't attend unity. Maybe you can go do it through them. And as I sat there in my truck, a vehicle pulled up next to me and perfectly pictured in the window was the words unity on the side of the vehicle next to me. And it was perfectly framed in my passenger window. It was like the Lord was saying, no, I don't make mistakes. I'm coming for unity. And you're going to keep telling them that even if it doesn't make sense. So I hope you guys hear my heart when I'm coming to this. I don't even fully agree with what he's doing to us. Um, I don't even fully see how it's possible. You guys know who I am. I, I, I'm just the same as everybody here, except for God hijacked me. And he said, you're going to do my will. and You're going to tell these people this. And I'm going to give you my heart. It's going to break your heart. I have this picture. And I want to share it. This is the reason why I'm coming up. That was the long interlude to it. But I have this picture that the Lord has put on my heart over the last few years. Of, of, of the kingdom of God. He speaks a lot about the kingdom of God. Uh, 
Jesus came to say, this is, this is the kingdom. I'm coming to set up my kingdom, and I'm the king of this kingdom, and uh, this is what it's going to look like. And so he gave pictures of it. You know, it, it's a mustard seed. It's a treasure in a field. It's a lost coin. But he, he gives me another picture of it. Um, and I wish I had an overhead projector. Ben, you were supposed to bring an overhead projector. <laughs> you shouldn't have thrown those out. But it's, it, it's a, just picture a triangle, a funnel. And at the beginning of that funnel, at the bottom of the triangle, it's crowded. And just picture a circle, just a circle over the beginning of the, of the triangle. And that's the kingdom of God. And when you get into that triangle, you, you, you give your life to the Lord. Maybe you become baptized. Maybe you join a, a local church. And you get into that. You get into that triangle, the kingdom. And it's crowded in there. It's, it, it's safe in that circle. Um, it's where the majority of, of people who claim Jesus live in that circle. And I've lived there a long time. Things like uh, doctrinal beliefs and all those things stay intact in that circle, in that crowded circle. Um, Jesus can fit in the box that you've created for him in that circle. You can see the sides of the triangle it's just right there, it's just right there, and I'm safe in this triangle. But God called me out deeper into the kingdom. So as you go deeper into the kingdom, those, those sides, those walls, they get further and further, and Jesus becomes bigger and more beautiful than you ever imagined. And he calls us deeper and deeper into this kingdom. And the deeper you go, the more desperate you get. In the crowded circle, God's word is there and we can memorize it and we can, and we can know it's God's word. But as you go deeper into the kingdom, his word just becomes desperation. And you need to start claiming that word. You need to say, Jesus, you said here and I need it. Demons start to manifest when you go deeper into the kingdom. You start to see the things that you read about in Jesus' ministry. Jesus shows up and demons start manifesting. Why doesn't that happen with us? Why do we agree with the world on demons? Because in that circle, you can. When you go deeper in there, you start to encounter things that line up with the Bible. And God is calling us as a church deep into the kingdom. Early on in this journey, God, God hijacked my life and took me into a place where I just, I was seeing things that I was, and at one point, I would have conversations with my wife and I, I would be telling her about things and you could see like, she's like, what is going on? 
I'd be telling her things and I'd, I would just start crying. And my wife was like, what is going on? And the Lord told me, he said, go back for your wife. Go back for your wife. And I was deep in the kingdom. I was seeing things. I was, it was, I was experiencing Jesus in crazy ways. But he told me to go back for my wife. And I didn't know what that looked like, but I came back and, and Jesus encountered Sandra in a way that he radically, he radically took her. And now I'm trying to keep up to her in the kingdom. She's leaving me behind. And Jesus is telling me now go back for your church. You go back and tell them. Come out of safety. Come out of comfort. Come out of the world. And we're going deep into the kingdom. There's giants. There's danger. It's not safe. I'm not here to tell you it's safe. But Jesus is so big and beautiful. We're entering a time into history where it's not safe to be in that circle. You'll fall away with the world. The word talks about it. Hearts grow cold in that circle. And you will fall along with the world. We have to go deep. We have to go into the kingdom. Jesus has to get bigger and bigger and bigger. I, my, my theology, you guys, has been blown out. I don't even have one. I don't even claim to have one. I don't even claim to have any, to follow along with any kind of church history stuff. I, I, I don't. Jesus has spoke to our family multiple times through homeless people who came and rebuked us, who came and warned us. He, he's so big. He's so vast. He's so beautiful. I, I can't contain him. And I want this church to be a place where Jesus cannot be contained. Thanks, Joel. It's a call to a new beginning. So some people here, this is resonating. And the question that's popping up in your heads is, how? I hear the call to go deeper with Jesus. I want what you got. I don't have a clue how to get there. What's the response? You know, as I, as I think about what, what happened, and I, I won't go into it. You can ask me. You can ask me tons of questions. Any questions later where... But there was a response I had to make. You know, when, I, when he first hijacked me, he's like, I need you to trust me on this huge thing. I need, you, I need you to trust me. I'm calling you into this. And he didn't tell me where we were going. But it was, it, there was a call. And I had to physically 
do something, to stand up and make a spiritual thing, to say, yes, I'll, I will accept this call. And then it was boom. But part of that, part of that call was, I, I had to be around other kingdom people. I had to be around other hungry people who saw the kingdom. You cannot go the kingdom alone. I, I, we talk about it. it. Is in that kingdom as you go deeper into that funnel, you run into doors, and you'll run into doors where you'll you'll just you'll sit down and you'll say, "Lord, we we, we can't get through this door. There's this breakthrough. There's this there's this awareness that I want to be open to. But we need a key. I don't have the key. And so." If you're sitting there alone, I, I, you may never get that key. He does it through community. That's why he's calling a church. He's not calling Joel. He's not calling Ben. He's not calling. He's, not, he's calling a church. Because each and every one of you guys have gifts and abilities and keys to get us through that door. Sometimes that key to get through that door isn't. <laughs> Me and Ben started praying with our friend Ola. Because Ola's got a key. He's like a janitor. He's got a big ring of keys. Ola's been walking in the kingdom for a long time, and he, he loves stuff. And so me and Ben, we're like, we want to hang out with this guy because he's got keys. And we run into doors all the time, and Ola says, oh, I think I got that key. And oh, here we go. And, and you walk into this room where you're like, we shouldn't be here. Uh, <laughs> we're... But then Ola's like, oh no, they're with us. Let's go. They're with me and Jesus. And, and you walk into this thing. And so my only call of how do you do this is get with other hungry people. I believe that's why what happened with Ravi this weekend was hungry people. Hungry people came from all over our community. Many different churches. There was probably a dozen churches that were represented. And it was hungry people for the kingdom of those churches. That's who came here. And Jesus shows up where there's hunger. That's what I can say about this thing, is when you gather hungry people together, whether it's to pray, whether it's to worship, whether it's whatever it is, the spirit, the odds of the spirit showing up where hungry people gather is enormous. And so part of this journey for me is finding other hungry people that want to get together and pray and watching Jesus show up in the craziest places. The more desperation, the more hunger, the more of a chance Jesus is going to show up. But you can't get to that place of desperation and hunger unless you're, unless you're going deeper and into places that only Jesus can lead you. And so I don't know if that answers, but for me, it's been find other hungry believers who want to talk kingdom talk, who want to talk chess, who want to pray into this and meet with them. And I don't care what their denomination are. I don't care what their, if they love Jesus and they want to go deep in the kingdom, all that other stuff. I'm, some guys I pray with, I don't even know what their core beliefs are, but I know they're desperate for Jesus and I know they're walking in power. And so... That's, that's the only people I want to 
I want to walk with in the kingdom because they know the desperation of the situation to go deeper. And so that's, that's my how. Find hungry people. Find other people who are desperate to walk in the kingdom and, and journey with them. And, and that, that, that's, that's what I believe God's calling our church to do is to do that together. There's always a narrow window of time when you hear a call. There's always a narrow window of time when you hear a call to respond. And so often it's gone by lunch and becomes a memory. You have a narrow window of time to make a decision and a commitment and say, I'm all in. Even if it's a decision simply to come up and say, I don't know what I need, help. You have a narrow window of time to respond. Today is one of those new beginning days. And for those who are desperate and you hear the call, respond. Find a way to respond. Because if not, it'll become a memory where, oh, Ben and Joel were up there one more time. This isn't, you better hear Ben and Joel. This is, let the one who has an ear hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. We're at a, a place of a new beginning. Is it going to be your new beginning? Are you going to do whatever it takes to go deeper with Jesus in the kingdom? Maybe it's, I have to sign up for that soul care course. If so, you better let me know today because we start on Wednesday. Maybe it's, I, I, I will come forward and say, I will be there at every single men's morning prayer, every single Thursday evening inquiring of the Lord. Where do you guys pray on Mondays and Tuesdays? I will come with you. Maybe it's, I need discipleship. I have recently told a couple of people, Go home and count the cost. And when you're ready to push the chips into the middle of the table, we're not here. We, Jesus doesn't seem to respond to the Lord boost my life prayer. But he does respond to those desperate cries of, I will do whatever it takes. I will pay whatever the cost. It's a call to go all the way with Jesus. There has to be a response. If you're hearing that call and you want to respond and come forward and we will pray over you, we'd be happy to do that. For those of you who are like, hmm, haven't heard, thanks guys. And then we're just going to conclude the worship service. Okay, We're not going to sing. Um, we're going to bless those on Zoom. See you later. Um, if you want if, if you want prayer and accountability for, I don't even know what my next step is, but I know I need to pray into it with someone, come forward, we'll talk. We're not going to do it even publicly. We're just going to finish the service, okay? But you, you got to come forward and make this decision, okay? Lord Jesus, everything that is of, of Ben, uh, of Joel, please let it fall to the ground. Everything that is of you, where you are speaking to your church and saying, you, you need to 
you need to be all in. Lord, would you confirm that? And would you give the next necessary action steps and people to, to guard what you are doing and take it further? Lord, I, your parable says that the good seed goes out and sometimes it finds soil that's shallow. Sometimes the enemy comes and steals it and sometimes it finds good soil. Would, would your word today find good soil and may it be guarded and protected by those who want to nurture what you are doing? In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord, turn his face toward you and give you peace. Those online, go in peace. Those still here, go in peace. Let's talk to Jesus. Thanks for being here, guys. Blessings. Bless